Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This week, reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from October 22nd, 1983, taped on October 12th, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last, my pleasure to be with you once again, and of course, joining me, as he always does, Mr. New Orleans himself, Mike Mills. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great this morning. Looking forward to another stellar episode of Mid-South. Oh, give me a break. Give me a break. (laughs) This may be the worst episode we've seen. We've talked about it, and the last couple of episodes we've talked about it on the show. This is the dark period of Mid-South wrestling, where Mid-South has lost its way. Really, after DiBiase left, all of a sudden, the company is stacked with just big, muscular guys. Crusher Darso, Jim Neidhart, Nikolai Volkov. Nothing against any of these guys, but it's just all big muscle guys, and there's not a lot of action. There's not a lot of fast-paced wrestling action. The booking is a mix between slow and, I think it was last week's show, like a weird attempt at hot-shotting with the North American title and the tag team titles changing place on the same show. Of course, later on in 1986, they would do that in the UWF, where the tag titles, the TV title, and the Universal title all changed hands on the same episode. But this is a dry period for Mid-South Wrestling. Next week's show has a lot going on, but this week's show is rough. It's so rough that even Bill Watts seems tired. Like He doesn't seem like he has the usual energy. There's not a lot for him to say or talk about. What do you think? Oh, there are significant moments in this episode where he and Boyd, during commentary, are just being quiet. I, I mean, they are, they, they, we've heard them do it before, where they just kind of silence out and they just sit there. And they don't say anything. And you're like, uh, okay, uh, I I need to say something. You know, you talked about this as the down period, the dark period. It's, I've said it kind of a number of times, I feel like, over the last few weeks. I know I said it on the show two weeks ago or so, maybe even three. I was like, yeah, you know, we're coming down, but we're going to come back up on that roller coaster and things will heat back up. And I remember thinking back then, I said, man, this is this is the bottom. But, man, you're right this might be the bottom. And it's sad that we keep saying that because you and I love Mid-South and we love the product and what it put out back then. But when you rewatch this period of 1983, it's it's kind of hard to watch. I mentioned it on BTT a couple of weeks back as well. I was like, man, in, in 1983 Mid-South, you don't realize it until you rewatch it, how down it is. And there's no other way to say it. It's just very much down. You know, you made the joke or not. It wasn't even a joke. You know, you talked about what Jerry Jarrett said when he came in. Where's the blowjobs? Um, you you just you just pointed it out. I mean, we got Neidhart. We got Butch Reed. We got talent. We got Nikolai Volkov. So we got all this talent. Uh, we got Bundy still. But, you know, think about those guys. Now, they're not all as big as Bundy, but we got big, muscular, strong guys. Uh, I'll call it the heavyweights. But you don't really have a lot of fast paced things. Even now, and I'll throw this out there to you. You know, even think about when when we talked about um. Uh, Johnny Rich, you know, when Johnny Rich was in, you know, and the things he was doing and, and uh, he wasn't he wasn't a star in Mid-South, but we had the like you just talked the fast paced nature of his matches when he would be in there. I mean, you just you just don't even see that even even, you know, in some of these matches this week where we'll see 
you know, Neidhart and Reed versus uh, Mike Reed and King Cobra. Nothing against Mike Reed and King Cobra. I love King Cobra to death. But it's just, what the heck's happening here? I mean, it's just, it just, it didn't seem like, there's nothing you can really, uh, you always use the term, sink your teeth into. This episode is, if I can close with that, it's, as we get started, there's just almost nothing you can sink your teeth into. And I'll leave it at that as we get going on this week's show. I like King Cobra too, but it seems like whenever he has shown up for the last year and a half or so, it's always like, ooh, what's going on this week? Things have slowed down. <laughs> King Cobra's back. <laughs> and yeah. I will say, next week's episode is pretty good. Yeah. And it's also it's also almost exactly one year since the episode with JYD and Mr. Olympia versus Matt Bourne and Ted DiBiase, Jim Duggan in the gorilla suit. I think it was yep. the State Fair. Next week's show is during the State Fair. And you just think about that and how far we've come in a year. And you realize the difference between Mid-South at that point in 82, I think with Buck Robley as the booker, and Mid-South here. At this point in 83, even next week's show, which has its moments and is pretty lively, look at the crowd there compared to the crowd a year earlier for the same state fair. And it tells yeah. the story. Yep. On that note, Mike, let's kick things off. Here's the show open. Cowboy Bill Watts with, of course, the host of Mid-South Wrestling, Boyd Pierce. Fans and welcome to Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. I'm Boyd Pierce and listen to the excitement you'll be seeing this week. The popular little midget stars are here. They'll be in a big man and little man on each team. Leaping Lenny Poffo is back. Nikolai Volkov, the big rugged Russian, will be on the card. The Mid-South Tag Team title holders, the new ones, Hacksaw, Butch Reed, and Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Also, the North American Heavyweight title will be on the line. Magnum T.A. defending against 420 pounds King Kong Bundy. The Junkyard Dog against Max the Missing Link. It's a tremendous card. It'll take a lot of tremendous explaining in a man no better than our guest commentator, Cowboy Bill Watts. Well, I don't know, Boy Pierce. I think I'm pretty confused. You know, last week, I guess the whole wrestling world is still in shock. I know Hacksaw Butch Reed is. It was the most unusual situation ever. There was a tag title match signed, and Butch Reed tried to manipulate Grizzly Smith into a situation to make him look a fool, and I was a part of it, and you were. We were all out there. The crowd, he tried to insult everybody, and it backfired because Grizzly got one up on him and got the junkyard dog made a troubleshooting referee for that evening, and we have a new North American champion, and that stands. It's Magnum T.A., but also on that very same show, the tag titles were lost. So I've never seen a television show with two championship matches and two different titles being lost. But let's join the closing moments as the junkyard dog proves what a tremendous amount of heart he does. And he was out there for the pride of himself and Mid-South and all these fans, sacrificed a lot of pain and did what he thought was right. The junkyard dog referee and Magnum T.A. winning the title from Hacksaw Butch Reed. Let's join those closing moments. And that's what we do, Mike. We get a recap of last week's match. Magnum T.A. winning the North American title from Butch Reed with the Junkyard Dog as the referee, and we talked about it. There were moments during that match that were just embarrassing, is not the right word, but really sloppy. The dog was just rolling around at various points. What do you <laughs> think of this recap here? Well, I, I've, I'll be consistent here. I, I don't mind the recaps, especially during this time period. Not everybody's got the VCR, like I've said before. You don't have DVR, so it's always good to see in case you missed. This obviously would have been a very important moment, even given the the bit of sloppiness that we saw in it. 
It was an important moment in Mid-South history, and it's it's part of what's coming up in not not just this episode, but next episode that we're going to talk about uh in a, you know on uh, the t- October 29th, 1983. So good good little replay here. I've got, you know, I'm glad to see it, glad they did it, but other than that, um that might be the highlight of the show. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, no, no. You you are kidding cuz the highlight of the show comes next. Yeah. We get the big mix match, Tom Stanton and Cowboy Lang versus George Weingroff and Lone Eagle, Randy Peewee Anderson the referee. We'll talk about this in a moment, but let's hear Reeser Bowden's introduction. And now we have a big man, little man tag team match. This event is for one fall with a 10-minute time limit. In the red corner, from New York City, Tom Stanton. And his great big partner from the Lone Star State of Texas, Cowboy Lang. Across the ring from Indianapolis, Indiana, George Weingrup. And his partner from Arizona, Lone Eagle. In answer to many of your requests that have written us and talked to matchmaker Grizzly Smith, the popular Little Midget stars are here this week, and in this opening match, it'll be Little Lone Eagle and the big man as his partner George Weingroff versus Cowboy Lang and Tom Stanton. And the rules of this mixed tag is when the big men are in there, they're against each other. When they tag out and a midget comes in, the big man on the other side tags out. So it's midget and midget against midget and big man against big man. And it should be an exciting, fast-paced action. Well, there we hear it. It's going to be midget and midget against midget in this match, according to Bill Watts. <laughs> Had to play Reeser Bowden right there. Whatever he said, the great big Cowboy Lang. Who just looks like a miniature Scott Casey here. Lone Eagle, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, isn't he the little person that we saw almost break his neck several months back on Mid-South TV? You are correct. That is that is Lone <laughs> Eagle, who we talked about where he almost broke his neck, landed on his head. He suffered some type of concussion or he had, he he had a he had some type of issue. He had to go to a medical facility after. No, he I don't know that for a fact. He he he's the guy. He is the little person who we thought either almost broke his neck or had a severe concussion when he did that flip and landed on the crown of his head. The big moment of the match for me. Oh, forgive me. Were you going to say something? I was going to say, do you know why Reeser said his great big partner Cowboy Lang? I'm not sure. Was Reeser being condescending? Was Reeser just trying to liven things up? I have no idea. You watch Cowboy Lang, and he does like, there's a little reaction when Reeser says that. Like, what? what is this man saying? <laughs> you know? But then he just moves on and doesn't, you know, focus on it. I'm not sure. I have heard through wrestling lore and stories that this little person, Cowboy Lang, uh, had a kickstand. Uh, he, um... He was well endowed, apparently, and uh, I think through wrestling lore, you heard this. Really, <laughs> I've heard some stories about um, Mr. Lang, and I believe I'll never know this for a fact because Reeser is is gone from this planet. But I believe that it was an inside joke as he was making fun of Cowboy Lang's. Uh, kickstand that he uh may have he's 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 well endowed he's got a pack he's got a hell of a package 
according to uh, wrestling stories I've heard about Mr. Lang. I got news for you. If Reeser was still alive, I don't know if you would, but I'm not asking him. Hey, by the way, <laughs> that cowboy Lang, did he have a hog in his pants? Like, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't be. The apparently, <laughs> apparently he did have a hog. Wow. Well, you never know what you'll find out from wrestling lore. Apparently, Cowboy Lang in the same category as Wee Willie Wilson from Florida. But the other big moment for this match, or in this match for me, and I know you noticed it later on in the show. I noticed it here. On the side shot where you see the side fans, the fans that are sitting on what I guess would be the left side of the ring, there is a fan sitting there who it appears to be Hank without the cowboy hat, and we could be wrong, but you had the same instinct that I did, that it was him. He is sitting there by himself. He's not sitting with the ladies that he used to sit with in the front row, and some of them are still there. Hank is seemingly by himself watching these matches. What do you think? Yeah, he's sitting to the to the right of an African-American gentleman, and I can't tell if that's a man or a woman. I'm not trying to be funny. Um, that's actually to Hank's right. But yeah, he's he's sitting there, and I'm like, you know, without getting <laughs> given a DNA test here, I'd say that I'm 95% certain that that's Hank just from the look. It's hard to tell, though, because he doesn't have the baseball cap on. I'm not the baseball cap, the cowboy hat. But he's, you know, he's got the glasses on. This guy's got the glasses on that Hank appeared to use to wear. And you're right. The the ladies he used to sit to in the front row in the hard camera shot, they're not there. I mean, they're there, but Hank's not there. But it appears to be Hank. I think I think this is the this might be the first time I, I know you there was a there was an episode where you were like, that looks like Hank a couple couple months back. Yeah. And, and he appeared and then disappeared like instantly. It was like on the right side of, of the uh, right. of where the main audience is. Yeah. And it was like he was a UFO. He appeared and then disappeared. We never saw him again for the rest of the episode. But this this gentleman is there for pretty much the whole episode. And it, it definitely looks like Hank. I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say that is him. I don't know how much longer he'll be here. I mean, we've been on Hank watch for a while now. And we hadn't seen him, but that looks like Hank. I'm with you, Brian. And you and I. We watched this episode separately, and we both thought, hey, that, that looks like Hank. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's him. Well, we will hear what the listeners think. Obviously, the listeners loved Hank from his days of sitting in the front row, motionless for months at a time. <laughs> we'll find out what they think. It would be funny if he fell out with the women. And they're like, you can't sit with us anymore. You go sit on the side. But we'll never know. <laughs> George Weingroff and Lone Eagle win when Lone Eagle does a slingshot onto Cowboy Lang, who sh he shoots him into Tom Stanton, and then he covers him, and then Stanton jumps on top of them, and then Weingroff jumps on top of them. It's a pile-up with the midgets on the bottom, and that's how Weingroff and Lone Eagle win. Coming out of that match, Mike, we get Art Cruz versus Lanny Poffo, Johnny Martinez, the referee. I didn't have too many notes about this match, other than Lanny Poffo wins with his version of what would later be known as the Moonsault. This week, Cowboy Bill Watts doesn't even say anything. He doesn't even try to justify why he's doing it, jumping off the top rope onto his opponent. Any thoughts or notes from you? I have the same note. The only thing I'll add is he, he being Bill Watts, completely avoids discussing. Like, he just, he wasn't even trying to visit the fact that this is hypocritical. 
<laughs> of, of Lanny being allowed to just backflip off the top rope. He just he does not even visit it. So once again, everything was airtight, brother, back in the day. No, it wasn't. The only other thing I had was, boy, Watts talks a lot about amateur wrestling at the beginning of this match. He went on and on about amateur wrestling. Crowd's quiet. Nothing much here to report other than, like you said, leaping Lanny wins. Our next match, Nikolai Volkov versus Tony Torres with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Boy, is this a mismatch. Tony Torres has that look at the beginning like, I'm about to lose. There's no chance I have of beating this guy. <laughs> He's half the size of Volkov. Volkov wins with the backbreaker. Any thoughts you have on this match? You nailed it. You can see the huge size difference in this match. I mean, Torres, he's already a smaller wrestler, but then you got Nikolai, who's got this big barrel chest, and Nikolai just looks like a big old bear against Torres. I mean, he's flinging him around like he's a rag doll. It's, it's, really, it's really incredible, but it shows the power of Nikolai. I mean, even though Torres is a small man, Watts... It can't be a Nikolai match without Watts, Watts going on a pro-American tirade again. But as he's on this tirade, he actually praises the Russian amateur wrestlers and how great they are. Uh, but again, Volkov just flinging Torres around. It's just a dominant performance. Volkov, Volkov wins with the backbreaker again. We then get a recap of last week's show where Butch Reed and Jim Neidhart won the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team titles from Magnum TA. And Hacksaw Duggan, leading into our next match, the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions Butch Reed and Jim Neidhart versus King Cobra and Mike Reed, Randy Pee Wee Anderson, the referee. Let's hear a little bit of audio from Bill Watts on Jim Neidhart and more, but this would be a good example of where the usual Watts commentary that's a highlight, eh, he's not really saying that much this week. Let's go to this. In the red tights, Mike Reed. King Cobra from Chula, Mississippi. And I'll guarantee you, King Cobra's a good athlete. Hacksaw Butch Reed better not get out there with a because he's now the Mid-South Tag Champions and get too cocky because Cobra could take you right down a notch or two real quick. Jim the Anvil Nightheart, the world's champion anvil thrower. Oh, Cobra tried to clear over Reed, but didn't make it. Reed, double leg dive. Cobra kicking out. Neidhart threw a 100-pound blacksmith's anvil at the Calgary Stampede, 22 feet 5 inches for the world. This man's no stranger to that. He was the first in the world in the shot put at age 18, fifth in the world in 1978. But right now, King Cobra's introduced him to some quick moves. I don't think they figured out Cobra yet. They were so busy congratulating themselves over winning that Mid-South Tag Team title. You know, the funny thing about Mid-South Wrestling, the competition's so keen that those titles generally grow on you. They get moved around a little bit. A lot of tremendous competition. Heavy-duty stuff will be coming up in the Superdome Saturday, November the 19th. The Saturday previous to Thanksgiving. Prior to Thanksgiving. Well, there we hear some audio during this match from Cowboy Bill Watts. Mike, any thoughts or notes about this match? I mean, I do like that he brought up Neidhart's track and field accomplishments, which from what I understand is all was all 100% true. I mean, he wasn't like, I mean, you know, back in the day, promoters or, or commentators, they would 
it was all a work, so they're fabricating certain things. But Neidhart apparently was a really good track and field athlete. So I did like that he brought that up. You know, Watts, he's just, you played that sound clip from the very beginning of the match, but man, he is quiet during many moments of this match. I mean, there's just silence because the crowd's not into it and Watts and Boyd aren't talking. So you watch it. I mean, I really feel for people who, you know, we sit here, you and I, and we praise Mid-South Wrestling, but if somebody just flew in and watched this match, they'd sit there and go, what is the fuss about? Because, I mean, you've you've got just commentators just sitting there never saying a word. And don't get me wrong. I don't want Watson Boyd to insult me on commentary and just start saying things that don't matter. But, I mean, they're just, they're, they're just nothing. It's just dead silence while the guys take bumps in the ring and they do maneuvers and whatnot. I, I mean... It it just wasn't, you know, it, it, this is a sign of what's happening on this episode because it's not just this match where this happened. So anyway, I had to point that out because it's it's two things. It's one, it's unlike Watts that he's being like this. And the other thing is we've come so accustomed to Watts um, narrating throughout these matches. He'll recap the previous match. He'll talk about the stories that are going on and the storylines and the angles. So it's just like when he goes silent the way he does, it's glaring at you because you're so not used to it. With that said, Jim Neidhart and Butch Reed win when Neidhart hits a fallaway slam on Mike Reed, different spelling than Butch Reed. We then get our next match, and again, even with this being a slow episode, we still get what I guess you could say are main event caliber matches here. The North American champion, the new North American champion, Magnum TA versus King Kong Bundy. Johnny Martinez, the referee. Let's hear some opening comments on this match from Cowboy Bill Watts. Championship sanctioned match right here on Mid-South Wrestling for the North American Heavyweight title. There you see the challenger, 420 pounds. Devastation Incorporated from Atlantic City, King Kong Bundy against the popular new North American champion, Magnum TA. With one big, big difference, Boyd Pierce. He doesn't have Junkyard Dog in there as the referee. This is going to be Magnum TA on his own against 420 pounds. We're going to see just what this young North American champion's made of. And I'm sure that he wants to prove to everybody that he has that ability. Of course, Hacksaw Butch Reed is pressing hard for a return match, talking about his contractual stipulations, demanding that return match. I know Magnum was certainly willing to put the title on the line because he said some people had made remarks that Dog wanted for him. And he says, well, be that as it may, you know, it's not who, it's not how you start the race, it's how you end it. And he says, I'm going to do my best to hang on to this title. I've got it. I realize the Dog was a big factor in my winning it, but it's my title, and I'm going to do the best and hang on to it and make as much money as I can while I'm at it. And I think that's a real healthy attitude. And, of course, that got him into a match with a big monster. Now, you recall, if Bundy beats him in order to beat him for the title, he has to pin him for a five count. That's right. The five counts in effect for King Kong Bundy. Magnum TA has to hold Bundy down for a three count. The crowd is fully behind the youngster. They're all standing. They're hoping that he can pull it off, you know. Bundy powers him over. Oh, drives him down. Oh, you know, you just can't imagine unless you've been against somebody with that tremendous amount of mass and weight. They also have so darn much bulk. 
they don't have to have the tremendous physique and the looks of a guy like a Butch Reed to create their power. They've got the tremendous power of their mass and carrying that weight around. And when they put the same leverage to you and then drop that weight on you, it can make your bones do things they don't want to. It can almost make them feel they're coming out of socket. When you shoot in under that weight against an ordinary man, like when Magnum does his belly-to-belly -belly play, they hit head-on, and then Magnum sucks him up and takes him straight backwards and then reverses course. I don't know if Magnum could take Bundy and play him. I just don't know if you could lift or horse up that much mass. That's 420 pounds. A classic, a great classic poster of Olympic wrestling is when Diedrich, the West German, suplayed Chris Taylor in the Olympics. And, of course, Chris Taylor weighed uh, 455 or 355, something like that, and Diedrich was about 260 or 280. But Diedrich was a master in Greco-Roman. And it was Greco-Roman, by the way, which was from you couldn't use the legs. You couldn't touch the legs. You can use your legs to, to, to make the throws. And this would be something to see whether Magnum T.A. could even reach around Bundy to lock him up in order to suplane. Forearm. He's breaking him loose, breaking him loose. Oh, but he met that huge, massive foot of Bundy's. Oh, a whiplash. Tremendous forearm smash. And then when they hit you with these massive blows, it's over the back, which is over the lung and heart area. And it takes the wind right out of you. Deplete your oxygen supply with a big rush. Well, there we hear some audio. The opening minutes of the match, Mike. Again, a main event caliber match for Mid-South, all things considered. Although, you can kind of tell from the commentary, King Kong Bundy's becoming more of a non-entity. He's on his way out of the territory. He'd be going to Georgia. I think he's already wrestling in Georgia, actually, by this period of time. What are your thoughts about this match? Yeah, Bundy's, uh, I don't want to say on the way down, but like you said, he's on his way out. And he's I mean, he's not going to win the North American title at this point. But the commentary, Watts was good here. You know, he, he mentions Magnum wants to do it on his own because, you know, there's no JYD in here this week. It's almost like Watts was, I feel like it's almost like Watts was admitting <laughs> that he won because of dog. But that's neither here nor there. Um, Butch Reed wants a rematch for obvious reasons. And T.A. wants to defend the title just to say that, you know, I can do this on my own. But anyway, so the thing about this match that got me more than anything is there was a lot of laying around. But I thought Bill Watts did a good job speaking to that. You know, he talked about how Bundy, he's just a massive, massive man. And when you're a big guy like that, man, you basically use your weight to your advantage. And that's what makes him really dangerous. And you did see that in, in many of the moments during this match where he's just Bundy's just using his weight. The other thing that Watts brought up about uh, Magnum in the belly to belly is just, you know, if you think about it, if a guy like Bundy doesn't want you to belly to belly him, you're not going to belly to belly him. It's just it's just not going to happen. So I thought that was a good point because Magnum's finisher, uh, it, it would be hard to pull off on Bundy. And ironically, when and I know you're going to talk about this, we'll talk about this in a second. That's not how he finishes Bundy in this match. Yeah, so that's thought, the thing. That's the thing right yeah. there. I thought based on Watts' commentary and talking about the amateur wrestling and Chris Taylor, I thought they were building it up to, wow, T.A. hits a suplex, hits the belly-to-belly -belly on Bundy. Right. But obviously, like you said, that isn't what happens. Let's find out what did happen. Yep. Telling 
on him right now. Of course, a man like Bundy doesn't have a lot of endurance. When they're carrying around that tremendous body weight, their endurance is short, so Bundy tries to finish things in a hurry. He wants to go for the home run. There he goes. Magnum got out, or he'd have been a grease spot. Magnum firing away. Bundy's got a lot of mass to absorb that. But Magnum used those ropes. Smart move by Magnum. Used those ropes and drove in. I don't know if that'll work. Nope, it sure does. King Kong Bunny just flat took Magnum like a end of a crack in the whip. And and took out Magnum. the referee with the same motion, Bill. Oh, yeah, that ring gets awfully small out there. The crowd is chanting for JYD. But JYD is not the referee. And there, King Kong Bunny just put the avalanche to Magnum. And there's no referee. Bunny's counted himself, but his count doesn't count either. Neither would JYD's count. Bundy's telling the referee, hurry up and get in there. Come on in. Magnum dropped the ticket in the back of the head. Magnum got him. Magnum got That's what you call using your head and using your feet to retain the North American heavyweight belt, and that's what Magnum TA did. We'll be back. The Junkyard Dog versus Maximissingly after this word. Well, there it is, North American champion Magnum T.A. defeating King Kong Bundy with a drop kick to the back of Bundy's head as the referee was getting back up and then pinning him right in front of Hank, who doesn't react at all. Any thoughts on the closing minutes of this match, Mike? Yeah, just I just realized re-listening to that just now as you play that audio, how how conditioned the, the crowd is to, to looking for a dog to help out Magnum right there. I mean, they're chanting JYD. When the ref takes a bump, it's like, wait, your champion's Magnum. I don't know. I didn't think about that when I was a kid, but I'm thinking about it right now. But no, no nothing else to say. You know, he. It's just it was very ironic how he drop kicks him. It, it felt like, like you said, Watts was almost setting up the fact that there was going to be the belly to belly. But in the end, it's just a drop kick, and it wasn't just a drop kick to the back. I, I'm assuming uh, we don't get a good camera shot, but Bundy hits the turnbuckle too, in addition to the drop kick, and that's what you know, stunned him enough long enough for Magnum to win. Like you said, though, Magnum wins and we're, uh, that's it. He retains his title. We get our next match. Again, another match that I think you could probably say for Mid-South Wrestling is a main event quality match. The Junkyard Dog versus Max, the missing link. Rick Ferreira, the referee. I believe, and I could be wrong. We'll see what happens in the weeks ahead. Skandar Akbar is now gone. Because he's still referenced on commentary. You'll hear about him here in a moment. But he's not at the taping. And Max, the missing link, was one of his guys. It was Akbar who told us his name was Max. Akbar is no longer here. But let's hear the opening minute of this match. We'll talk about it on the other side. Missing link. Big thump. Junkyard dogs in the ring. Rick Pereira called for the bell. Action's going now, Bill. It sure is. Max, the missing link. He's not too crazy. He knows the best shot to get the dog is right there when he's the most vulnerable. Driving that head into the kidney area. He drove his head into the, He used his head as a weapon. You know, the strange thing, the thing that's bothered me is where is Akbar? He's not been on the scene. He's not out there with Mac. You know, it's not certainly within Akbar's capability to have Kamala stash somewhere waiting for that ideal moment as he did one time with Hacksaw Dugan because Akbar certainly there's no love lost between him and the junkyard dog 
Right now, Max has got JYD in what they call the camel clutch. Puts a lot of pressure on the neck and the small of the back. The crowd is trying to cheer JYD on. But Max is driving it in, driving it into the kidney area. Knee dropping him in there. Well, there you hear it, Mike. Some of the opening action in the match. Junkyard Dog versus the Missing Link. Watts says it's a camel clutch. In a sense, it is, but just to clarify to anyone who's just listening, he doesn't pull the Junkyard Dog's arms around his knees, so it's not a full camel clutch like the Iron Sheik would do. It's more that he's sitting on the dog's back and pulling him up by the neck. But any thoughts about this match? Yeah, I even equate it to, like, sometimes he even kind of, like, almost half camel clutches it. Like, he'll have one arm up, but then it's not consistent. So, but I agree with you there. No, the only other thing I'll say is, man, the crowd is quiet during this thing. At one point, Dog had the chin lock on Link, and they were just kneeling and laying on the canvas. And then Boyd and Watts are just, I mean, they're just sitting there. They're just listening. And that's it. Nothing else. They're just they're just watching it along like they're you and I are spectator. They, they, you know what they were like on commentary? They're like Hank just watching it. That's what they were doing. It is slow. And when thinking back to it, I think, oh, my God, this match went on for a while. In reality, the match went on for five minutes, but it felt like it was a lot longer. And the crowd wasn't reacting to too much. I mean, you hear them here chanting for JYD, but in the middle of the match, there wasn't a lot happening. But let's hear the closing minutes of the match, or the closing minute, I should say, from Cowboy Bill Watts and Boyd Pierce. Max is up and driving the tack in, still into that organs area, the kidneys, and then from the front into the spleen area. Oh, he went for that, went for that coup de gras with that head. The dog got out of the way. Dog got him up the thump. Powers him down. Bill, the missing link, started it, and the junkyard dog ended it with a victory. We still have time remaining, so we'll have more action coming up when we return. And there it is, the junkyard dog defeating the missing link with the thump. As I said before, Mike, not a lot going on there. No, it's... I don't want to say nothing happening, but, you know, he, I think Link missed the flying headbutt off the top rope. Dog hits Link with the thump. Even the crowd, when Dog wins, they were just chanting for Dog a second ago with Magnum out there. I don't think the crowd was even, you know, very loud. I just think they were like, all right, yeah, well, we expected that. This is just Max the missing Link, and his manager abandoned him, so I guess, you know, he's not really a big deal. I can't get into the mind of every fan, but I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, I love, I, I don't say I loved, I, I think of Link more of a world-class guy. Um, not that he wasn't in Mid-South for an extended period of time, but for me, you know, I never really looked at Link and was like, oh yeah, he's a star. You know, it, when it comes to Mid-South. So yeah, it was what it was. Dog wins. I mean, dog's going to beat Link every time. That's And that's that. Link would get over in 86 as a babyface with Dark Journey when it became the UWF, but Again, that's a different time period. In a lot of cases, and he's different not started fans. in world class. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk off you. Talk no, over that's you. all right. That's quite all right. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and even that 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 was that started in world class. That was a world class thing, but that's a whole other topic because you know that's Ken Mantel, you know, booking UWA. Yeah. So, but 
You're right. I mean, he got over, and that's why. That's why I always look at Link. You know, a sidebar discussion. I, to me, Link. I don't know. I view him as just a world class guy, even though I know he's not. But for me, like, I felt like he. I feel like he did more there. You know what I mean? So that's that's why I say that. And you're right. He ends up doing that with. Uh, he comes to UWF, and when I say that started in world class, I meant uh, him and Sunshine. Let me let me clear it. Let me clarify. Uh, but anyway, that that's why I kind of point that out with Link. And of course, the Link and the Junkyard Dog would meet each other once again at Texas Stadium for the Parade of Champions in May of 84. So that was a match. I remember seeing it as a kid on the, what was it, the Lords of the Ring videotape where they had the Texas Stadium matches? I don't remember. I, I actually got to see that on World Class TV. Like, they, they showed that on World Class. I, I believe they showed that on World Class. If they didn't have it on the World Class shows that we used to get on Sunday nights on Channel 6 in New Orleans, I would have seen it. Uh, maybe I saw it and I'm misremembering it, but I, I thought they replayed it on there. Could be wrong. Can't, can't, no, I'm pretty sure of... they did. I'm pretty sure they did as well. But I first time I saw it was on video. But coming out of that, we get our final match this week to conclude this rather slow episode. Crusher Darso versus Mike Bond. Randy Pee Wee Anderson, the referee. Let's hear some audio from Cowboy Bill Watts about Crusher Darso turning down Skandar Akbar and also some of the wrestlers who you may be seeing in the future in Mid-South Wrestling. Well, this Crusher Darso has been an impressive youngster. Kid that came here unheralded. You could tell he was in tremendous physical condition, tremendously strong. Came here just to make a name for himself. The only person that's beat him is a junkyard dog. And then Akbar saw that, tried to capitalize on it, offered him $500. The crusher didn't take his money, threw it back at him. And he's had the respect of the Mid-South fans ever since. That's a rarity, Bill, a lot of respect. I was glad to see that because you seldom ever see that in a lifetime. Grizzly Smith said that he's trying to negotiate a contract for the American Dream Dusty Rhodes to be here next week. It'd be great to see Dusty again. And, you know, I could just imagine sparks flying because Dusty, the American Dream... And then you've got the Moscow Mauler. There could be some real happenings going on. Also, the next taping session here at the Irishman Neil Boys Club will be during the Shreveport State Fair. And boy, if you remember a year ago during that state fair, there was a man that came out of the fairgrounds, we thought, a gorilla man. A gorilla. With the balloons. And it turned out to be Hacksaw Dugan. A lot of things have happened in a year. A lot of things. Hacksaw Dugan and Ted DiBiase ganging up on the junkyard dog in that tremendous bout. And later the Rat Pack having a falling out because DiBiase's association with Skandar Akbar. And finally the very man that he'd come in to make a monkey out of, so to speak, was the man that came to his aid in the match with DiBiase that caused DiBiase to have to lead Mid-South. We know that DiBiase's been in Japan, but he's also spread the word that he's not through with the junkyard dog or with Axel Jim Dugan. Jerry Oates, the former North American champion, to be back next week. Two minutes left of our time between these youngsters out here going for a victory on Mid-South Wrestling. This is the way they get to move it. Oh, that Darso, gee whiz, he's like a freight train. Man, when he can set and drive, he's got tremendous explosion. Dr. Death Steve Williams should be back very soon. He's been finishing his final semester at the University of Oklahoma. Still doing a lot of wrestling on the weekends, and we hope to have him on TV. 
that youngster has really captivated the hearts and fans and Mid-South Wrestling. There's just something about a winner, and he's got that certain ingredient. He's got that charisma. He's just a winner. He's a competitor. Darso just hammering Mike Bond. Mike Bond, a tall kid. If he, if Mike Bond ever fills out, he's going to be an awesome man. But the problem is he's against the guy that has filled out. Well, there were here's some audio from this final match. And, boy, is Watts right. Mike Bond is an awkward, gangly-looking guy. He's big. He's got size. Not a lot of muscle. But he just looks so awkward. He's like one of those guys that he should have worn knee pads. Because his legs would have looked a little better in those knee pads. Just an awkward, gangly wrestler. What are your thoughts on Mike Bond on this match? And on some of Bill Watts' comments, I did like the fact that he teased DiBiase coming back to get Duggan and the dog. Of course, DiBiase wouldn't return for, what, almost a year? But what are your thoughts on any of this, Mike? Yeah, that's a heck of a seed to plant because <laughs> of where we're at in 83. I have a couple of notes. One of them is not about the commentary, so I'll mention this first. I think Mike Bond, Mike Reed, and King Cobra went to the same seamstress uh, for the jackets they were wearing <laughs> during this episode. And I know it's a podcast, so many of you out there are like, God, I wish I could see what what you're talking about. So, again, just go, if you've got access, go look at these jackets that these guys have on. I I almost, when I first saw Mike Bond's jacket, I was like, why does he have this Michael Jackson-looking jacket on? Because that's what it reminded me of. Without the zippers, though, if you remember, if you're a child of the 70s and 80s, you, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about with those Michael Jackson jackets. But I swear Mike Bond, Mike Reed, and King Cobra went to the same seamstress. I have no proof, but the jackets, they somewhat look like they've got a, a similar build to them with the flashiness of them. Somewhat, not all the way. Mike Bonds is certainly more outlandish than uh, Cobras and Reeds were, though. On the note of the commentary, yeah, I, I, they bring up, and you said this earlier in the episode, they bring up, you know, the fact that the state fair is going to be going on and and he he mentions that big moment where Duggan comes out of the stands and he's dressed as a gorilla. You know, Brian, I mean, that's that's easily in my top five moments of Mid-South history. That's that is one of the biggest moments. That's one that you just that's one of those things you just never will forget, because to revisit it quickly, the thing that made that unforgettable was in that episode, Watts is talking about. Uh, you know, and he's opening it up. He's uh, he's he's sitting in the stands with all the kids that are at the state fair and they're over watching the wrestling. And he goes, oh, there's the gorilla from the gorilla show. Oh, look at the gorilla. He's entertaining the kids. So he's he's not even hiding it. He's just he's just wanting it out there. So when the gorilla finally comes out and it's Duggan, we all explode. We're like, oh, my God, you know, I can't believe they did that. So I thought that was cool on Watts to revisit it. But it goes to show, like you said, how how far we've come in just a year. And we've had some really good moments in 83, don't get me wrong, but here we are and we're, we're finishing things up with Darso and Mike Bond and a pretty much nothing happening match. He also mentions Dr. Death may be back soon. He says he's trying to finish up his uh, final semester at Oklahoma, so stay tuned there. But other than the jacket from Mike Bond right there and then the notes about the state fair and Dr. Death may be coming back, I don't know. I didn't have anything from it. I do agree with you. Bond is a weird, linky-looking, awkward. He nothing he does when he's in a ring looks fluid. It's all he just looks discombobulated, I guess. And he's he looks off. I mean, he gets he'll like 
there's a spot in there where he's got Darso in the headlock. It, it looks like the most awkward thing I've ever seen in life when he's when he's wrenching down on um on on Darso's head. It's like, what are you doing, man? You're 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 overdoing it here. Yeah, he's not good. <laughs> he's not good, and we've seen him before. And he's just the most awkward-looking big guy. I mean, he must be like six three, six four, right? I mean, he's a big guy. Easily, he's easily six three. He's got to be. I mean, just if you look at him when he's standing. If you if you watch if you look at him a good measure of of how tall a guy is when when you know like I guess the 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 top rope on a mid south ring is is probably standard I don't think it's low or high and when when Bond is up against the ropes I mean it's the ropes are almost at the middle of his back and I mean that that goes to tell you like how tall he is and by comparison if you look at Pee Wee Anderson because he's the ref in this match the damn ropes are at his shoulders now now he's a He's a short guy, don't get me wrong, but the point being is that's how you can tell how how tall Bond is. Crusher Darso wins with his backbreaker submission. And with that, we wrap up another episode of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. A few notes here at the end of the show. Want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts. Also on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com. Available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Give us a listen. Uh, go to tinyurl.com slash bttpod. That's where you can find our shows. We drop one show a week. Uh, over there, or you can just search Book in the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. Sometimes we do more than one, but right now we're just doing one. Uh, we are in the middle of, I don't even say middle, we were in the fall going into 1990 and then uh, going into the beginning of the 1990 on our NWA Saturday night on TBS recaps. It is a lot of fun. Uh, we, you know, Brian, I mentioned the Steiners and then we're in that period where the Steiners are a few months together. So we're into the period with Doom now and Woman. And it is really just some tremendous stuff when when you rewatch it. Doom was was an incredible team. Uh, as I mentioned that, I want to mention you know R.I.P. Butch Reed. As I'm talking about Butch Reed, we put a YouTube exclusive episode up on Butch Reed. We we did a a tribute appreciation R.I.P. Butch Reed on our YouTube channel, so you can go there and listen to that. It's about 45 minutes of of myself, my friend friend Robert Silva, Lance Peterson, who does the world class show with me, and Sean Sparks. We uh we just went through and and discussed our feelings on Butch Reed, so we did that. Check that out on our YouTube channel. Uh, I forget, oh God, you just search "Booking the Territory" and on YouTube, and you'll you'll find our channel. But it was a lot of fun doing that show and and thinking about Butch Reed and everything he did. And you know, for me in Mid South, obviously was a big fan of Butch Reed from there. But we you know we talked about his his days in Florida. We obviously talked about him as a part of Doom, which which. You know, for me, I was a lot older at that time. So my appreciation more or less comes from his time in Mid-South. So come check us out there. Again, search Book in the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. Go to YouTube. Just search Book in the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast. You'll find that butchery tribute there. And subscribe and and uh, check us out. It's a lot of fun. We're the unprofessional wrestling podcast for a reason. The jokes are terrible. The language is strong. But it's still fun nonetheless as we talk old school wrestling. I'm glad you're enjoying the NWA shows. It's going to change in 1990 when Ole Anderson takes over <laughs> as the booker. I promise you that. And of course, like you said, very sad about the passing of Butch Reed that just recently happened. And 
We'll be talking a lot about his highlights in Mid-South Wrestling over the next year, year and a half, two years, because he was dynamic in Mid-South Wrestling. But as we wrap things up, I want to remind you the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jay Snackerato. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho! Mm-hmm.